It's Tuesday, February 21st, 2023, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine here again with Adrian Bluss for your daily news roundup. On today's show, we're talking Bitcoin, the start of the staking wars, top headlines, and more. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Bitcoin, Ether, and many other top tokens are down compared to yesterday, but are up when compared against our last update on Friday. Over the long holiday weekend here in the U.S., the top token briefly broke above the $25,000 level before pulling back. But turning our attention to some drama in the ecosystem, BNB, that's the native token of the Binance-initiated blockchain network known as BNB Chain, is losing ground against Bitcoin in the wake of regulatory action against the Binance-branded dollar-picked stablecoin known as BUSD. The BNB to BTC ratio listed on Binance, the world's largest exchange by trading volume, reached the lowest point since August 2nd of 2022, early this morning. The pair has declined nearly 13% since the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, better known as the SEC, said a week ago that it's suing Paxos for violating investor protection laws by issuing the BUSD token, which the regulator has alleged is an unregistered security. The SEC action was accompanied by an order from the New York Department of Financial Services, better known as the NYDFS, asking Paxos to stop minting the token immediately. Quote, BNB token has underperformed the broad market in February as the Paxos BUSD situation continues to weigh on the exchange, which experienced massive outflows last week, Paris-based Keiko said in a weekly report. The flow of money out of BNB, once touted as a safe haven, and into Bitcoin perhaps stems from the belief that the regulatory crackdown against BUSD is actually a move against the Binance exchange itself. While the BUSD stablecoin is issued and redeemed by Paxos, which is registered by the New York Department of Financial Services, the stablecoin is marketed by Binance. In September of last year, Binance delisted USDC, the stablecoin issued by regulated entities Circle and Coinbase, the Paxos dollar, also issued by Paxos, and a stablecoin known as TrueUSD, all for BUSD. Quote, Since the NYDFS and SEC specifically call out Paxos for its BUSD product and not Pax dollar, it's possible that the enforcement is more about particulars involving BUSD than a broad attack on stablecoins generally. Galaxy Research's Alex Thorne said in a note to clients on Friday, continuing, This indicates that these agencies are particularly targeting Binance rather than stablecoins in general, at least at this time, end quote. And it's not worth a headline today, but still worth mentioning that recovery claims at FTX are selling for up to 20 cents on the dollar in private over-the-counter or OTC markets, a person familiar with the matter told Coindesk. An anonymous FTX creditor told Coindesk, quote, They are buying on the projection that they will only get the money in five years. I think a lot of these firms are projecting around 50 cents on the dollar recovery, end quote. And on the topic of exchanges, Coindesk analysts found some interesting data which cast doubt on the narrative that crypto traders are increasingly flocking to decentralized platforms in the wake of FTX's collapse. Now, you'd be forgiven for thinking that this would, or at least should, happen. With such a recent example of these sometimes catastrophic consequences of trusting an exchange with your tokens, why wouldn't it? But the answer is because it's more work, because it requires learning new things, and because it's a lot less convenient compared to just using a traditional exchange. Those aren't good reasons not to use decentralized alternatives, but they're real reasons for real people outside of the most early of early adopter demographics. And with all of that in mind, big centralized exchange Coinbase has seen more than $185 billion in trading volume so far this year, which is nearly double decentralized Uniswap's tally of just $93 billion. Still big money, but there's a difference there. Moving on, in markets today, China-themed Layer 1s are pumping. A project called Conflux is up some 500% during the last week, while the old project Neo is up about 70%. Each are up about 40% in just the last 24 hours. 
Last week, the Conflux project announced it's partnering with China Telecom to build blockchain-based SIM cards. But it's important to remember that the Conflux network in China is a separate and tokenless government-approved blockchain used in conjunction with the country's blockchain service network, and not exactly connected to this token that we see pumping. Craig Earlham, a senior market analyst at Oanda, says that solid economic data from a post-COVID reopened China is going to drive up stocks and crypto prices. Quote, The bullish case for the Chinese economy remains solid, and the likely release of stimulus over the next couple of months as it gathers pace could supercharge that. He told Coindesk in an email, continuing, Domestic demand is going to be the cornerstone of the economic revival, and policymakers appear poised to unleash that to its full potential. End quote. While crypto and stocks might be on an upward trajectory, Erlem doesn't see gold going in the same direction. Quote, Gold traders do not share the eternal optimism that equity and crypto traders possess, and recent weeks have highlighted that perfectly, he said. Continuing, The yellow metal fell into a corrective pattern and has struggled to get out since. End quote. Overall, markets aren't expecting any new major releases of data this week, but it could still get interesting. We'll bring it to you as it comes. Today's crypto coverage comes courtesy of Coindesk markets analysts Lila Ledesma, Sam Reynolds, Oliver Knight, and Amkar Godbley. Bitcoin is currently trading at $24,655 per token. That's up about 3.5% since our show on Friday, while Ether is trading at $1,677 per ETH. That's up about three quarters of 1% over the same time period, according to the Coindesk Market Index. And speaking of the Coindesk Market Index, we're looking at an absolute reading this morning of 1,158. That compares against Friday's reading of 1,128 and represents greater than 2.5% gain since Friday across top traded tokens. Now, before we get to today's traditional markets update, let's take a quick look at some top headlines. First up, the world of NFTs or non-fungible tokens has gotten very competitive. Shrinking volumes and bull market decisions turned bad lead to a customer and cash flow crunch further exacerbated by just how many new marketplaces are competing compared to the last bear cycle. OpenSea, the NFT marketplace incumbent with little doubt, has been staring down competition from new upstarts and back in December announced changes to the way creator royalties, that is the share of the secondary sale price, which is given to the creator of the original piece, would require that at least some NFT issuers essentially choose between continuing to use this dominant platform at the expense of not offering their tokens for sale on at least some competitors. That move didn't go well, and the company quickly backtracked, but it didn't solve the problem. Now, we've got the latest installment in this ongoing drama, after OpenSea said Friday that it's temporarily eliminating its marketplace fee, heating up the battle for market share with popular no-fee marketplace Blur. OpenSea said in a tweet that for, quote, a limited time, end quote, it will charge 0% in marketplace fees and default all collections without on-chain royalty enforcement to optional creator royalties starting at half a percent. The marketplace has also adjusted its block list of other marketplaces that don't honor full royalty payments to creators, allowing sales on NFT marketplaces with the same policy. It specifies this includes Blur, quote, as they make good on their promise, and quote, no longer forcing creators to choose between the two platforms in order to earn full royalties on its collections. Coindesk's Cam Thompson has more on this one. In other news, many existing stablecoins would not meet the high-level recommendations, so-called, soon to be set by global standard setters like the Financial Stability Board, better known as the FSB, its chair said yesterday. The meta-regulator's upcoming guidance targets the strengthening of stablecoin governance frameworks, redemption rights, and stabilization mechanisms, they said in a letter to G20 finance ministers and central bank governors. According to its work plan for this year published yesterday, the FSB is set to finalize its recommendations for regulating crypto and stablecoins by July. And stablecoins, of course, are cryptocurrencies pegged to the value of other assets like the US dollar or the euro. 
Chamomile Shumba reports on a story that's worth highlighting because although we don't know the standards yet, we can almost guarantee they will seek to reset the game board for stablecoin dominance with them. Right now, stablecoins have been in practical use for almost 10 years, and although relatively small in macroeconomic terms, the largest one, Tether, has more than 60 billion of their dollar peg tokens issued and in circulation. Stablecoins compete more or less directly with central bank digital currencies in that they're borderless and don't really require permission, but they don't have most of the downsides that will come with those central bank digital currencies. Those are likely to include new levels of surveillance and, of course, the control that always comes with a nation-state-issued currency. Because of that, stablecoins represent a sort of competition to local money. And so when these rules come out, at least I'm expecting that only heavily regulated members of the existing financial system who have proven their loyalty to it will be able to issue stablecoins that meet these standards, with likely a lot of disadvantages that they don't have today. This is likely to be one of the more important battles of our time, and it's a story we'll be watching. Meanwhile, Wyoming-based Custodia Bank filed an amended complaint against the Federal Reserve on Friday, just weeks after the U.S. Central Bank rejected the Wyoming Bank's efforts to secure a master account and become a member of the Federal Reserve System. The Wyoming Special Purpose Depository Institution claimed the denial of its application was unlawful, alleged that the Federal Reserve Board and Biden administration coordinated a series of public statements to accompany the rejection of the application, and said that the Federal Reserve Board, and not the Kansas City Fed branch as required, was, quote, pulling the strings, end quote. The Federal Reserve had denied Custodia's application to be a member of the system at the end of January, and Custodia's master account application was rejected immediately after the suit said. Coindesk's Nick Day has the details, but for those of you who haven't been following this saga, a special-purpose depository institution is a new kind of bank that doesn't make money by lending out the money that you store with it. Instead, it's like leaving a car with your valet. The valet doesn't own your car and owe you an equivalent car. It's still your car. You've just engaged them to park it for you and return it to you undamaged. That means that, in many ways, this type of bank is safer than traditional fractional reserve banks, where they loan out your funds and hope that not many people ask for their money back because they're not holding a lot of it at any given time. The Federal Reserve runs the U.S. banking system. Having a master account means being connected to that banking system. Some years ago at this point, not long after Custodia applied for access, the U.S. Central Bank released new rules, which I read, which explained in detail how one could get access. It had many rules and requirements, but by the time I had read the whole thing, I discovered that even if you complied with all of their requirements and met every single criteria, the Federal Reserve could still ultimately and arbitrarily just decide not to give you access for ambiguous reasons. That appears to be what happened here. This isn't one of the most important stories in our world today, but it's a wonky one and it is an important one in its own way. And so it's also a story that we'll continue watching. In today's extremely brief installment of SamWatch, FTX Japan is set to restart withdrawal services for fiat and crypto assets as of noon today at Japanese local time. The company sent an announcement out yesterday. The announcement meets a promise made in December by the exchange, whose assets in the country were largely ring-fenced under Japanese law. Coindesk's Jack Schickler has more on this one. And finally, Coindesk journalists won a George Polk Award for the scoop that led to Sam Bankman-Fried's $32 billion cryptocurrency empire collapsing in days and for two explosive follow-up stories. This is the news organization's first major journalism award. Coindesk's Ian Allison and Tracy Wong won the prize for financial reporting, according to a statement out Monday. Previous winners in that category include the Wall Street Journal series on Theranos and the International Consortium of Investigative Journalist Stories on the so-called Panama Papers, created in 1949 by Long Island University to honor murdered war correspondent George Polk. 
The Polk Awards are among the most prestigious prizes in journalism and emphasize, quote, investigative work that is original, resourceful, and thought-provoking, end quote. The trio of honored Coindesk stories exemplified these qualities. Coindesk's Nick Baker and Mark Hochstein have more on this in the show notes. And shifting to traditional markets, in the U.S., major stocks fell over the long President's Day weekend. Since our last update on Friday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell just over eight-tenths of a percent, while the S&P 500 fell 1.4 percent. The tech of the Nasdaq, meanwhile, lost one and a third percent. Over in Europe, major indexes were mixed, following the latest indications that the Eurozone's economy is in better health than expected, giving central banks scope for further monetary tightening. Over the weekend, the regional stock 600 gained just over a quarter of a percent, while London's FTSE 100 traded flat. Germany's DAX, meanwhile, lost a tenth of a percent. Continuing to the east, in Asia, stocks were also mixed. Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index lost just over nine-tenths of a percent, while mainland China's Shanghai Composite Index gained two-tenths of a percent, in its best one-day performance since last November. The index has risen over 6.6% this year. Japan's Nikkei 225, meanwhile, lost just over a tenth of a percent. In commodities markets, Brent crude, the global benchmark for oil, gained one and a third percent, trading at $83.54 per barrel since Friday. Gold, meanwhile, gained half of a percent, trading at $1,845 per troy ounce over the same time period. Today's traditional market coverage draws from the FT and MarketWatch. Stay tuned for after the break. We'll take a look at some of the silver linings that may be coming from the SEC. We'll be right back. Join Coindesk's Consensus 2023, the most important conversation in crypto and Web3, happening April 26th through 28th in Austin, Texas. Consensus is the industry's only event bringing together all sides of crypto, Web3, and the metaverse. Immerse yourself in all that blockchain technology has to offer creators, builders, founders, brand leaders, entrepreneurs, and more. Use code MARKETSDAILY to get 15% off your pass. Visit consensus.coindesk.com or check the link in the show notes. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Today's featured story is a tech news piece from Coindesk's Sam Kessler and Margot Nakirk. Our piece today is entitled, How the SEC Could Reshape Ethereum's Staking Landscape for the Better. A surprise settlement last week between the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, better known as the SEC, and Kraken, a leading crypto exchange platform, raised existential questions for the future of staking on blockchains like Ethereum. Ethereum experts and blockchain analysts say the seemingly adverse industry developments in the U.S. may bring benefits, though, such as helping to decentralize the Ethereum network and forcing service providers to clarify how they earn yield for retail investors. The settlement, first reported by Coindesk, 
forced Kraken to wind down its staking as a service offering to U.S. clients. Previously, the service allowed retail users to stake some amount of cryptocurrency with blockchains in exchange for yield. So-called proof-of-stake blockchains like Ethereum enlist users to stake crypto assets as a form of security guarantee in exchange for awards similar to interest payments. Proof-of-work networks like Bitcoin, by contrast, are operated by a more energy-intensive process of crypto mining. Ethereum famously started that way and then transitioned to proof-of-stake last year. The Kraken SEC settlement could spell doom for a growing class of staking-as-a-service products, which allow users to stake with lower upfront costs or technical know-how than is typically required. Around $25 billion worth of Ether is currently staked on the Ethereum blockchain, with 18% of that stake held by Coinbase and Kraken, the two largest platforms with staking services. The Kraken settlement, classifying the exchange's staking-as-a-service offering as a security, may have ramifications for the staking landscape at large. So-called decentralized staking services like Lido and Rocketpool are scratching their heads as to whether the SEC's viewpoints on staking might actually benefit them in the long term. The solo stakers, so-called, that help run Ethereum sans intermediary also see a silver lining in the SEC's action, since it could potentially make the network more secure and decentralized down the road. Ethereum staking requires a minimum of 32 ETH, worth about $50,000 right now. Staking without an intermediary means setting up a computer to act as a node on the Ethereum network, a somewhat complicated task that can incur financial penalties if done improperly. The barriers have left room for exchanges like Coinbase and Kraken to help retail investors stake, primarily as a way to earn interest. Both platforms eliminate the 32 Ether requirement by pooling users' funds together, and they do all the heavy lifting of spinning up a node themselves. But as SEC Commissioner Hester Peirce noted in a fiery dissent to the agency's crackdown on Kraken, quote, Staking services are not uniform, so one-off enforcement actions and cookie-cutter analysis does not cut it, end quote. In legal filings, the SEC said it took particular issue with the mechanism by which Kraken calculated the yield it paid to users, quote, The defendants determine these returns, not the underlying blockchain protocols, and the returns are not necessarily dependent on actual returns that Kraken receives from staking, the commission wrote. Coinbase, on the other hand, insists that its service is different, quote, True on-chain staking services like ours are fundamentally different, Coinbase's chief legal officer argued on Twitter. And according to him, Coinbase differs from Kraken in that it directly ties users' payouts to the rewards earned via staking. Though Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong says he would be willing to fight the SEC should they come after Coinbase's staking offering like they did Kraken's, what comes next at this point is unclear. As Coindesk reported last week, analysts at Coinbase admitted in a report that the developments around Kraken will likely affect, quote, the pace of staking growth going forward, end quote. In the aftermath of the SEC ruling, investors seemed to think it was good news for decentralized staking platforms. The LDO token behind Lido, the largest decentralized staking service, briefly jumped some 10% following last week's news around Kraken. Lido and similar products remove access barriers to staking similar to centralized services, but they run their operations entirely on smart contracts, the self-executing computer programs that live on blockchains. Quote, there's not a crypto exchange management team that's working on your behalf pooling your money, like Sokolin, the chief crypto economist at the Ethereum research and development firm Consensus, told Coindesk. And it's that key differentiator, the lack of a centralized company or management team, that decentralized offerings hope will earn them less scrutiny from regulators. Quote, My hope is that you're going to get a very different substantive view on the Lidos of the world, but I do think that's very much an open question, and it's a legal one and a difficult one, Sokolin said. Lido currently accounts for some 29% of the total share of staked ETH, while competing services like Rocketpool are significantly smaller. Should the centralized staking-as-a-service model disappear entirely, it wouldn't be surprising to see Lido's footprint grow even more. Some members of the Ethereum community also see a silver lining in the SEC's enforcement action, though, telling Coindesk that 
It could help shift control over the network and other blockchains to a larger set of people. According to Jdeep Cordy, whose company LaunchNodes builds infrastructure to help people with 32 ETH spin up a node themselves, staking services like Kraken's undermined crypto's goal of keeping a decentralized financial system. Quote, Having new intermediaries who, through a magic black box, give you an interest rate doesn't strike me as being that different from what we have right now, Cordy told Coindesk. And according to him, the news about Kraken may finally push those with 32 Ether towards solo staking, where they opt to run their own nodes rather than hand control to a third party. Quote, I think this is good for decentralization, said Ben Edgington, a product manager at Consensus. On a proof-of-stake network like Ethereum, one's stake equates to their power over the network. If one party accounts for enough of Ethereum's stake, around 50 to 60 percent, they can theoretically slow down or block certain kinds of transactions. Quote, in terms of the protocol and the health of the protocol, having a large centralized entity controlling a lot of the stake is not ideal. End quote. In contrast to Ethereum's old proof-of-work system, where a handful of big mining syndicates amassed a disproportionate amount of influence over the network, Ethereum's new proof-of-stake model was supposed to make the network harder to centralize. Quote, it's always been our aim that Ethereum is an army of tens of thousands of solo node operators, not three or four large data centers, said Edgington. The growth of staking as a service platforms, among other factors, risk jeopardizing this goal. But the SEC settlement with Kraken could help make Ethereum's proof of stake system that much harder to monopolize. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, send the show an email at podcast at coindesk.com or you can email me directly at adamlevine at coindesk.com. If you like what we're doing, we always appreciate reviews on Apple Podcasts or your preferred listening platform. This episode was produced by Adrian Blust and myself with further support from the podcast team over at coindesk.com. Have a great rest of your day and we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Markets Daily.